Okay. Welcome to the book club, everyone. Um, so this month we've done The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so <laughs> it's, it is 1851 and a lust for gold has swept the American frontier. <laughs> Two brothers, the notorious Eli and Charlie sisters, are on the road to California, following the trail of an elusive prospector, Herman Kermit Warm. <laughs> on this odyssey, Eli and his brother cross paths with a remarkable cast of characters, losers, cheaters, and ne'er-do-wells from all stripes of life. And Eli begins to question what he does for a living and who he does it for. The film was directed by Jacques Oderd, which it was his first English film. Uh, he's a French director. Uh, I think it was Rustin. Rustin Bell. Oscar nominated? Rustin Bell? Yeah. I don't know if it was nominated. Oh, okay. A prophet was. Yeah. Uh, yes. And he, the, the guy who adapted it was his, uh, his, his sort of writing partner as well, who worked on Rustin Bell. Um, so it's starring John C. Riley as Eli's sisters, Joaquin Phoenix as Charlie's sisters, Jake Gyllenhaal as John Morris, and Riz Ahmed as Herman Kermit Warm. It's a name that just rolls right off your tongue. Um, so, who liked the book first? The oh my film? god, the book. <laughs> the book. Yeah. Yes. I thought they were both okay. <laughs> my over, I thought overall the film was up. Mess. It was Major so well mess. reviewed. It's amazing. I'm still mystified. Um, before before we get deep diving, yeah. so there's only three of us leaving. Okay, I, yeah. I have a very brief list of Ellie James's. Okay, uh, so uh, our okay. absentee member. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> reading verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> My thoughts, not that you ask them, but you get them anyway. <laughs> uh, one in all caps. Tub is the real hero of the piece. <laughs> Our poor horse. <laughs> Two, also the most relatable. <laughs> Three, and the most handsome. <laughs> By far, brackets, Soz Joaquin. Four, why did the film cut out half the women? <laughs> Five, and the diet storyline. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Six, I am team book ofs. Seven, Beautiful writing. It gave me my new life philosophy, which he doesn't care to share. Oh! <laughs> uh, eight. And this is my favourite one. Eight. But ultimately, westerns are not bestons. <laughs> uh, nine. Can take or leave nimble. Ten. Tub for Commodore 2020. <laughs> yes. Bonus thought. Glad we didn't do Pet Cemetery because the <laughs> film was shit. <laughs> Oh, very then. good, very good comment. Yes, those were Ellie's broad, all-encompassing thoughts. Tom was the best character. He's my favorite, definitely. And in the film, oh, um, the mother. Um, what's her name? Mm -hmm. The actress who plays the mum. Uh, Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Oh, when she came, I was like, okay, now the film is okay. <laughs> wow. She saved okay. it from okay. being abysmal. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just picking up on one of Ellie's points. Mm -hmm. Not only were most of the all of the women jettison, but so were any of their other interesting, strange encounters they had along the way. it was really surreal, the book, all the weird, like, kind of trippy scenes that were happening. Yes, mm -hmm. so I love people who just came in and then they went off the stage again. Yeah. And I did, did learn the phrase this, it's Italian, but I've immediately forgotten it, and it's like a type of storytelling where 
the adventure isn't really the thing. It's the kind of interesting characters they meet on the way, yeah. and the kind of actual way. flesh of yeah. the uh, of the story. And I don't understand like why. Mm. What yeah. the point of the film was in getting rid of one of the, the strongest devices in the novel. Yes. And unfortunately, I think it's a completely cynical idea that they hired four Hollywood stars and they had to shoehorn Morris and Warman yeah. to bigger roles because they had Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And then they had to create this new storyline. This whole new storyline following them yeah. when the point of the story is mm -hmm. Eli and Charlie. Yeah. And then it just became very episodic. We're with the two brothers, then we're with those two. And their parallel too long. Paths. It was a completely different story, yeah. And and again, Hollywoodized to me. Can I one point especially? I just cannot abide <laughs> when they meet them how, how in the Tom book. Got angry? Is that the quickest Tom's ever got angry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really quick. I'm really minutes. quick <laughs> to offence in this. Well, it's pepped up on his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I have coffee. I have a sandwich. Yes. And I'm halfway through my muffin. But it. But th this is just a perfect example of where I thought the, the film was compromising the material. When, when the brothers finally reached the encampment of Morris and Warm, yeah. the first thing Charlie notices is how mangy Morris has become, a man who is very fastidious in appearance, behavior, yeah. and the fact that they're covered in, like, mud, in right? these, you know, in mud and in horrible, what I'm assuming would be mercury poisoning yeah. uh, marks upon their body. And they're both obviously dying. Yeah. When they reach this encampment, they, they both of them look ruddy and healthy, and uh, obviously full of life. Right. And so when they suddenly die a day later, you kept going, "Well, I haven't seen any sort of arc here." <laughs> they mention briefly that their legs hurt. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, well, we can't present Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. Uh, as being physically repulsive. Yeah, you can't ruin that. Those beautiful mugs. I, I mean, that's what we're coming to the film for. And Riz Ahmed's character was was uh, almost uh, beatific, and he's an angel of some sort. And he, he was described as a dwarf in the book. I know. <laughs> and he was full of bile and yeah, and viciousness. I just kept thinking these are all such com you know, compromises because you have hired these, these four big actors. I would really have preferred to not know any of the actors in it because they. It, uh, I feel like they were using John C. Riley as a shortcut for hangdog melancholy. Yeah. And I just get, but no, that wasn't Eli. No. I had such strong, I had such strong ideas of those two people, and they were not those two actors. Yeah. And sorry, I'll stop in a minute. No, yeah. But another thing, it, the 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 central relationship between the brothers in the film, I kept thinking, was pitched at the level of a teen movie with two squabbling brothers. Yeah. In the book, there's so much. Uh, you know, this real kind of anger behind everything and violence that I think was completely lost 
in how they were portraying that relationship and such, in the and, film. And moments of really touching love for each other yes. as well. There are like glimpses, like obviously their work and lives are surrounded by violence, but there are the moments where they're able to escape that. And like when in the book, uh, Charlie is talking about leaving his brother outside in the sun and that's how you you got your freckles and talks about him, you know he doesn't say he killed his father but sort of mm. what happened and how he rushed to make sure his brother was okay and in the end of the book when he touches his brother's arms um, as they're like having chopped it off and like how intimate that moment is between the two of them you don't get any of that sort of no. Tenderness. The violence in the book is very startling and abrupt, yeah. and in the film, it's aestheticized oh, the, to the point the, where it doesn't even. The scene with the horse as well. Oh, you don't no. know where they're scooping the eye out and just with the spoon. I thought it was like. It was a horrifying yeah. scene, and I was waiting for it I in know, the film. I was waiting for even the suggestion you get in the book of the relationship that develops between Eli and Tub. I know. This is why Tub is the best character. So by the end, when they show the scene, when the horse has fallen down the, uh, the cliff, I'm not able to summon any kind of feeling about it because they haven't bothered to build any relationship between those characters. Yeah. And in the book, it doesn't overdo anything. Everything is very lean and spare. Mm -hmm. And for that, more powerful. Because the brothers don't communicate so much. In the film, I kept thinking, there's too much conversation here. Did, and, they're filling it because you need to do that in a film, I guess, because you aren't bothering to, to communicate it to us any other visual way. Yeah. What exists between these two brothers? But I kept thinking Charlie especially is talking too much in this film. Go ahead. <laughs> Come on, Sean. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, Tom. Well. <laughs> yes, Tom. Uh, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I agree. I, uh, I infinitely prefer the book. And the thing, the thing that you that you lose in translation, and is always going to be the case, and incredibly hard to replicate, is the the, the prose itself is what's so winning about the book. The kind of the cadence of it, and the rhythm, and the sparseness of language, but then the subtlety of word choice. In the movie, you, there's no way to convey that at all. So you do lose that, and you're forced into having characters who internalise a lot in the book speak more just because you can't have them internalise in the, essentially as you say like a Hollywood Hollywood-ified movie which I think is okay and I think it's it's the curse again that we see repeatedly where we've read the book and the book has nuance and then you see the film and even if there is some nuance it's not on the same level so you feel cheated out of that whereas it's hard to do, but in isolation, I, I did. I like the the, the the narrative of the story and these two brothers and their escapade. But it wasn't. I mean, in all sense purposes, it hits beats. It hits A, B, C, D beats of the book in terms of the narrative. Yes. Um, but it isn't the same story. Just, just because, just because you see the same things and hear the same things, it's not the same story. Because you are missing. It's, it's, it's like, it's like going. The, the film is like taking a train journey and falling asleep at the start and waking up at the end. You, you, you've, you've done the journey and you've seen it, yeah. but you haven't experienced it. 
which is what the book, the book has. The book has these other moments on the way, which don't seem like much, but are are everything. Mm. Um, and interestingly, the I don't know how much they filmed in cut, but they definitely filmed something with them as children, because there there's IMDb listings for oh. young Eli and Charlie sisters. Well. So they, they, they uh, I assume they, they shot and cut the scene where Charlie kills the father. Yes, you where he, they, yes. Yeah. But also, which kind of explains that really weird dream sequence he has where he dreams of his father. Like, there mm-hmm. probably was more around that. Yeah, which is interesting because they, they cut the, the actual dream sequences the, yes. from the book and add that sequence. Um, okay, and another yeah. scene that I really objected to, because again, in the book it was more so, but I, again, I think it was because they wanted a gross-out scene, so they had the spider crawl into his mouth rather than bite him on the foot. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, this is ridiculous. So you get to the moment, the visual moment, where he's, he coughs out yeah. a bunch of baby yeah, yeah. spiders. I just think this is a ridiculous moment. <laughs> I was sort of like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and, and then two crucial scenes for Eli, mm-hmm. which I think you need to understand his journey, is they never go to the tailor shop, as oh, far no, as I know do. in the book. They, well, it's not a tailor shop. It's the, the d- dentist. They, they just use the... Well, it's not a dentist, it's like a, a general store, and I think that's supposed to be that scene, and hit him being so impressed with the shopkeeper and all these different things that he has. But it didn't communicate, because that's a really crucial scene for him to start thinking yeah. it, it alternatively. Because we already know that his his uh, brother has tried to usurp his, his or the, their equal power. Yeah. So we already know that he's, he's probably the brother who's less involved in you know the, the the violent journey they're on, Odyssey. And that he wants to think start thinking of another way. But that's so crucial in the book for where we know his journey is going to take. Yeah. And his and then when he meets the the woman accountant. Oh yeah. It, who actually is the one who gives him a piece of cloth, not this cloth that's Teacher, that's I been think. from when before the film opens. Yeah. So it makes even let he's we're even less invested because we never saw the scene where he was handed something that's now become meaningful to them. But also, and all the women he, which they cut out pretty much all of them that he meets along the way in the book, are the ones who make him want to be a better person by them receiving his like niceness towards them in such a positive way he's like oh i want to stay cleaner and i'm going to start dieting and take care of myself now i want to you know go home and just have a normal life and not all this violence because i've met these really wonderful women and i want to be better yeah uh, uh, for, every, for every scene you choose to cut you have to cut other great moments and scenes because you haven't had the set for them. So yeah. you, you you cut the moment that he meets this woman like who works in the hotel, and then you lose the scene of him wanting to diet and those wonderfully funny kind of tender moments, and then you lose the scene where his brother confesses that he paid her to sleep with him and didn't even pay her, and that kind of vile kind of lashing out moment of the brother, and it's just yeah, it's a it's a shame that you you lose so much in the. In the telling of the film, but it it, it, it doesn't seem. I, I really question the imagination of the people who created the screenplay. Going, if you have to cut scenes, 
why would those be the scenes you chose to cut that are yeah. that to anyone who is a screenwriter would say, oh no, that's a that's a crucial scene. Mm -hmm. yeah. I need to have that scene in there. I, I was really mystified as the film was unraveling, going, what the choices that were being made yeah. to moment to moment. To play devil's advocate, mm -hmm. do you think the scenes would have worked filmically? The the oddball characters and the unusual nature of the kind of interaction. Yes, I do think because that is revealing a lot about the world in which these two men are operating. Because they yeah. had space for those scenes if they I hadn't they do, yes. if they hadn't <laughs> added the Morris warm storyline. Because I think they replaced all those mm. scenes of like all well, I mean, you, you get the Morris and warm storyline in the book. But it's not as prominent. No, the, the way it's presented is the fact that it's like uh, final quarter of the book, and you get presented with this big chunk of his of Morris' storyline because they're reading through. His kind of, yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting, and I, I was I was so surprised when they cut uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Morris so early on, yeah. and you keep coming back to him because I, I honestly thought we were going to get like an hour and twenty into the film, and then get like a fifteen minutes, like a, yeah. like a meanwhile with Morris, yeah. and then just right. have like this really rapid kind of like really fun. I thought you could do with that, um, and I didn't. I, I thought the performances were were good. They, 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 again, though, they weren't they weren't necessarily the characters of the book, but I thought the characters they were portraying were like good acting. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Except I, for what was Jake Gyllenhaal's accent supposed to be? Where was he from? <laughs> Well, I think it was a, a put-on accent. I mean, it was like this, part of his dandy. It's not British, but it's like <laughs> I, I was very confused by it. Um, that was, I think that was the one, and then the uh, Mayfield as well. Why well, don't? That's another. Uh, so it is a woman. Confusing. I thought it was like a drag queen. Well, yeah, I was thought <laughs> suddenly you've chosen a transgender actor to portray Mayfield. Who? Why are you conflating Mayfield with the woman who? is in the hotel eventually where uh, Morris is supposed to be and she hands a letter along to them. Yeah, yeah. doesn't hand it along and then they... And that's where they find her. the diary as well. Yeah. And, and I think Mayfield to me is a major character. Yeah. So why have you... It's like a court where the book is wrapped up in the setup to yes. that story and, and the meeting of that character, the payoff, and then the, the end of the book has lots of payoffs yeah. and, and pullbacks to it. Because uh, there's the whole scene in the book where Charlie and Mayfield are drinking and they have the women and mm -hmm. they're like bonding and then how they and then eventually but that's like at least like 30 40 pages and that is that's the impetus for Eli to say and to look at his brother as, as wanting to take over um, eventually the, the Commodore, Commodore. Yes. Yeah. Or position again which we don't understand and he, he he says it to him at the end and going well I I don't understand from where that's coming because yeah. you haven't shown me the scene that would incredibly lead up to the statement yes. being made. And the only reason I know it is because I read the book. Yeah. Like I, I, I would be really confused if I had just watched the film and go, well, why did he suddenly say that to his brother? Yeah. And again, the whole that whole final sequence when they meet up with Morris and Warren. I think if the same thing that was occurring to me when we were watching The Dirt. That that film seemed to be working towards this idea of a camaraderie between these men that we know from reading the book never even existed in the first place. I kept thinking, you're suddenly trying to create this Edenic idea that you're all you're all suddenly aware of a new way to live your lives, yeah. Yeah. and you're you're in this thank you, this communion 
Uh, and in the book, there's, despite the fact that they come together to work the gold mm-hmm. that evening, there's an undercurrent always of suspicion and, and a threat. They, ha- they have one moment of like elation as a four, and it's after that first night of, of trawling and yep. bringing the money in. And it's more heartbreaking because it is that brief. There, there is this glimmer of yep. of maybe maybe they could grow to be. Yeah. To and Eli be, says uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact that it's cut away so short is what's powerful about it. Yeah. Whereas in the film, as you they say, they spend a lot of time with the four of them bonding together. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. To get all the actors on screen together, really. Yeah. Again, yes, it was, <laughs> and we can't see them actually trying to harm each other. No, it doesn't look like it at all. Mm. And then I like, like in the end, when they're dying, when um, uh, Warm is dying, when he says, like, "Oh, you're my friend," and it's just really because it's sort of yeah, like the possibility of it could have had something. Right. And again, too, uh, that's undercut in the film because they all look ro- they look too rosy, yeah. and then immediately a day later. They're both on their deathbeds, which yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. And again, we, we understand how uh, beautiful that moment must be for Eli, who's never experienced anything like it before, because we've seen how brutal the, the endings are for most people in this world, and what he and his brother have had to do also. Yeah. Some very very terrible things. Yeah. But there's like that great scene where they he he kills the prospector by blowing his head off pretty much, and then shoving him in a tunnel. And his his brother has completely uh, decapitated and cut up bodies for for the people who wouldn't give him the axe to get his brother out of the house. Yeah. Which again is another great scene that I I think where is this in the oh film? that scene where the, he's in the cabin and it's almost like he's some sort of dream sequence yes. is really bizarre and oh and like the whole curse yeah. that the woman lays I mean it, it, and that the brothers be, you know are still come from a world where that has a lot of power yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you could have completely missed that and it's the first time he realizes because he says it because he goes out of the house to shoot the bear yep yeah. to save Tub yeah and he says I was willing to do something for Tub that my brother wasn't willing to do for me yeah and that's the first time we get that dynamic between the brothers and how it's shifting yeah, yeah. and how that's going to lead Eli again it's I, th- I think mentality. it's a, I hadn't really thought about this until you, you mentioned that there but I think it's the thing that the a movie really misses any separation between Eli and Charlie yeah. they're all they're always yes. together and it's yes. only through the brief moments apart where like that moment where he's trapped in the house and, and, and Charlie goes off to find a way to rescue him you have these, this moment where Eli can reflect on their relationship and do things for himself and then when he's drinking with Mayfield and Eli again is left to ruminate and think about things for himself and you see that these men are kind of terrible for each other when they're together, but are so entangled in each other's lives and fearful of fearful of being without the other one, they can't get away. But the movie is the only moment I can think of where they're not together is when uh, they're either passed out drunk or there's the one scene where Charlie goes swimming and uh, Eli is with uh, Warm talking and. Which he's also like suspicious of his brother being like becoming friends with someone who isn't yeah. him. Like he doesn't, you can tell he doesn't like it. That well, 
again, and there's that, that there's that terrible realization when he comes upon Warm. He goes, "Where's my brother and Morris?" Yeah. yeah. And he says, he, "They've gone down to the river." And Eli's first thought is, "Oh my God, he's going to ruin it. He's going to kill yeah. him." Yeah. yeah. And you don't get that in the film either when they're at the side of the water. Yeah, yeah. And you miss that lovely scene when they're walking there together, and and Warm can't really do it, but. Eli doesn't want to say why he wants to hurry up to get there because he's worried about them being alone together because he doesn't want to worry about in case it's yeah. like unfounded. Um, that's great. And the book it, is great. <laughs> and in, in the book again, the, the first time they come into San Francisco, the the, the overload of, of you know sen- modern society modern essentially and all the sensual. I didn't think it was too it. bad in the film, like the whole thing with the toilet and just the hotel and just seeing like the hubbub and also like seeing people from different countries and just like how international it is. Um, it was I don't it wasn't that bad. But in in the book's description of it was so much more vivid than the quick scene we had of them, the shot of the streets. They talk about the, like the Chinamen as well, sort of in the streets. That, I, yeah. that idea of why are all the boats abandoned and because they say everyone's going yeah. off here and the guy who is trying to do something and the thing hits the horse. A lot happens in the book. Like you kind of forget that yep. there's so much. I get to it, you're thinking, but... And I, I've, I've liked previous films by Jacques Audiard a lot. Yeah. It just—it seems like the wrong choices are being made, and he could have actually shot the scene and not really taken much more time than he did with that first shot of San Francisco, and put so much more detail in it. I mean, how do you separate the film on its own if you like trying not to think about the book, like just as a piece? Well, here, I mean, here, really, the tone of it is so different that I kept thinking they really did have something else in mind. Yeah. They weren't. I think they liked the concept of the journey, obviously, of these two brothers, um, like as a story, and as for like to get actors on board with a project like this, that you could get big names and really feature them, um, and talking about the gold rush and like people, French people love westerns as well. I think. Honestly, in isolation, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't mind it, so I had lots of moments I, I enjoyed. It wasn't a bad film at all. No, I don't, it's just, here's the thing. If, it, if, if the movie wasn't called The Sisters Brothers and was just a John C. Riley, Walking Phoenix Western movie, the exact same plot, what would you have thought of it then? Well, I wouldn't have cared for it. You wouldn't have cared <laughs> I wouldn't have cared for it. Okay. I, I would have said, well, okay, it's just trying to be, uh, you know, Planting a, a, a comic duo in the midst of the Western yeah. like, genre. What, what, was there anything about the movie that you thought was better, or anything they added or changed, a redeeming feature, or like a standout moment, or anything that? No, and again, I didn't like a prayer before dying. Before dawn. Before dawn. dawn. Prayer before dying. There is a prayer for before dying. I think. A prayer before dawn. Yeah. Again, because I thought they took a lot of the the rich um, sense of his life prior to getting into the prison. Mm-hmm. But I completely understood that filmmaker's decision to say, "I'm going to get rid of that. And I'm only going to focus on the hallucinatory time that he spends in prison." Yeah. And even though, again, I did, I, I didn't respond as well to that. I understood I th- I think the it's, decision. I think it's the only that was made. The only one we've, uh, only books of film we've ever done, *Parable Dawn*, where 
instead of just chopping some things but trying to tell A, B, C and D, yeah. it actually went, oh, I'm only interested in yep. C to D and that's yes. what we're going to do. Yes. And, focus. and you can respect that as a choice, you understand why you make that yes. choice, rather than just cutting bits from all of it yeah. to exactly. try and do everything. So there you yeah. can kind of understand somebody's reasoning behind yeah. it. And then it informs all the choices they, they make to yeah. in, in the process. Yeah. And within that realm, even though I wasn't responding that strongly to it, mm-hmm. it, it was very well done. Yeah, visually yeah. Was, it was visually uh, unbelievable. Well done, I and mean, it really did make me feel that hallucinatory thing. It wasn't necessarily anything original cinematically in this. Like I've seen so many westerns, like Buster Scruggs, which just came out. The, to- the look of it is exactly the same. But let me tell you about Buster Scruggs. I know you're not a big fan of it, but for me, that film had some of the, even though it wasn't upfront or immediate, had the kind of cruelty that I think is missing from this film. The sequence with the uh, Liam Neeson and the, the guy... The armless, legless, the armless legless guy and his yeah. exploitation of him. Even Tom waits out in the being the gold prospector. But again, I think the but again the Cohen brothers have a real sensibility whether or not you like what they're doing or not. And that film seemed full of the same kind of arbitrary uh, nature of life and death and violence that the book this book had and I was waiting for in this film, but it's it's kind of style-less. Uh, I disagree. Okay. Ever so slightly. Okay. I, thought, I thought the movie had a few a few shining moments of style or interesting choice filmatically. The opening scene, I thought, was incredible, where it's pitch black, desperate shootout, and all you're seeing is, from a distance, muzzle flashes. The muzzle flash. um, and then you have that great moment where the barn's on fire, and that's yes. the first real moment of, like, the natural flames then really impact you because you've had black until then. Um, I thought that was like a, 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 in, in that moment I was like, okay, this could be really good. This could be great. I thought that was a really like striking and wonderful opening. I thought that was really, really great. Um, and th- this is like a tiny, tiny moment, but I really liked the. F- framing of the towards the end and we can come to the change of ending in the movie when we get to it but the moment when they're they arrive at the Commodore's place and they're stood outside and it's just them framing their backs to us looking at his funeral yeah. essentially it's like a nice a nice kind of western visual I really like um, I, I actually really like the final scene with the mother as well I thought it was good that yeah. last scene because that is I mean, they change a lot around the ending, but that is kind of the same in the sense of going home. It's like, we're just tired. We want our mother, you know, and the comfort of, like, kind of childhood and, yeah. you know, that safety. Uh, again, I think the, the, the first beat and the last beat are very similar in terms yeah. of the book and the movie. Like the opening scene and the last scene with the mother and yeah. the kind of the kind of build up at the start are all very similar. It's just the journey in between. The, the, the dreamlike quality of the end is... It's really nice as well, I think, when they arrive at their mother's property. From that moment on, the kind of colour palette is saturated and built up. It's soft. Yeah, exactly. And it's. But why did they make the choice to have the mother come out with 
gun and barrels going when in the in the in the book she just greeted them oh, as th- they approached. Didn't she, she didn't even greet them. She was like in bed as well. And he, yeah, like, and then she came out yeah. to the. But again, I kept thinking this is where the film is always wanting to be active. There's no reason for her to come out with a gun, except for we need a moment of of action here. And the and, fact that she probably wouldn't have seen them since childhood, like since they were probably like teenagers or in their twenties or something like that. And it's okay, like twenty years right. later. And it was. I mean, I think what worked better in that final sequence again is because there wasn't much dialogue, and yeah. and it it. it, it parallels what he was thinking in the book about finally coming having that era come to a close yeah his brother is obviously not going to I I, I really like the fact that she was more gung-ho and forceful it's kind of the only moment in the film where you see either of them a bit worried about someone like for the rest of the movie they're they, they can handle every situation. And saying the book, they can handle every situation, essentially. Regardless, they're like the most capable killers and confident men because of that. But they see their mother again and immediately are like, schoolboys. Yeah, I think that's like a nice, a nice moment. They need that. They finally, they're willing to kind of give themselves over to someone else and kind of be cared for. And the, the, the line when the mother's like, I see you're missing something. <laughs> it's like a nice moment. I really yeah. like that. It's yeah. like a, well, I liked how she was at the book. Yeah. It's all very... Yeah. 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 And you can, you, can, you can see that that's their mother. You can see yeah. how they become them. They have blunt. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. very blunt. Yeah, which I think is really wonderful. Yeah. Um, I think if, if the movie had still had the scene where um, they show Charlie killing the father, uh, I wouldn't have bought into the mother being as strong as she was because the true. woman presented would have killed her husband if he was yeah. as awful <laughs> yeah, as he was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like in this wild western frontier yeah. world we're being presented with um, because we didn't see that I didn't mind so much this powerful woman being presented but that's obviously where we and I, I think he states it in the film as well but again because we haven't really seen that sequence yeah. in full it uh, it's more difficult for me to to buy it in the film is because I mean, obviously their dynamic was set up long ago. He is the older brother, oh, Eli, so it's but in the Charlie book is the one who has killed the father. Because Eli is the younger brother in the book, though. Is he really? It does yes. say that. Uh, I, th- I, th- I, th- I was 99% confident it was still that way around that Eli was the older brother. No, I'm 99% confident he's the younger brother. You can check. I can certainly Because search. remember, he's like, because when... Charlie goes to the house, he talks about how, like, he's so young, Eli, and he's just, like, sitting... If you can find the scene where he, they're sitting outside to get... Like, if you look up Freckles, maybe? Because I remember that... The, because I remember the line of, that's how you got Freckles, but um, the two of them, like, sitting outside, and how little Eli is, I guess. Keep talking okay. about okay. Yes. So... The thing too that in the in the book you realize the great cost mm-hmm. of everything that they've done. They lose all their money. Yeah. I, I think it's meant to be ironic that it's finally actually taken by Indians. Yes. Well, they know. Wouldn't they still have the money that was they uh, stowed away? Because no, remember they Mayfield? went back there and oh, yes, had, the horrors had, took, it, had, the, yeah. took it. Yeah. Yes. 
that after all that and getting all that riches that yes. you know it all goes away like you know, and snap fingers exactly and then you know of course because Charlie's greedy at that one moment he loses his hand and in the film I don't think we needed the scene where there's a shootout while he's on the table oh, after yes. having had his surgery. I think that's kind of supposed to be like the Indian scene and having to battle it out. But it's just also, I think, supposed to show Eli coming into his own as the sort of he. It's a role reversal because he's the sidekick and then uh, Charlie's the like leader. But they kind of it flips at the end, obviously. And they need that scene because they actually chose them to kill off the Commodore before they even get there. In the film. Yeah, and whereas in the book it's and that's also meant to be ironic, I guess, because that's a Pyrrhic victory yeah. because he was not going to be able to get the His kind of revenge vengeance that he wants. Yes. But I think it it, in, it it works psychologically in the book that that's what needs to happen. And I like I like the moment with him being fairly vulnerable in a tub. Yes, and his mother sort of. Like, he becomes a little kid, essentially. He's, like, reverts right. to being, you know... No, I'm talking about when oh. he finds the Commodore in the tub. Oh, the Commodore in the tub, sorry, and, and, and drowns him. And he's rehearsing his... Yeah. And, he, and, you know, he, and he says while he's doing it, he's just like any other man. Yeah. He was thinking that he was going to fight more, he was going to be more vicious. But he's just like an old, frail man. Yes. He's not, like, anything... Yes. He builds up in his mind this big but, sort of guy. But I think in... It, it works psychologically that that's what has to happen. Mm-hmm. Eli needs, needs that to moment. Realize how human other people are. That you yes. know they're not but also, any. Yeah, but also to. to and why? Why in the film have they gotten rid of the idea of his temper? Oh yeah. Which which flares up, and he can, continually talks about it in the book about his Everything his mind becoming clouded, and there's a you know. A, pulsing in his and twitching in his skin and yeah. in his flesh. Well, both of them have anger issues because of their father and like how, well, because, well, in the film they talk about how they got the blood of their yeah. father and that was their anger and their Blood-wise. drinking. Um, but whereas, like, John C. Riley comes off as this kind of sad dog, you know, he's not, he, he looks so mopey and just like not someone who would get upset about anything, really. Whereas, yeah, in the book, they both are struggling with their tempers, you know. Yes. Whereas, like, Charlie self-medicates with alcohol, Eli has to kind of figure out a different way to deal with it. Yes. <laughs> Again, more mystifying choices you know, I mean, made I think, in the... Though I do think you guys both love the book more than I do. I thought it was okay. I wasn't sort of... I like his other book better. The one that comes after this? What is it? Uh... Um, I can tell you, I read all of Patrick Lewis's books oh, because okay. of this. Yeah. Oh, wow! That's amazing! I liked his prose a lot, so yeah, I read yeah. everything else he's done. I, I prefer Under Major, Minor, Dolphin. Uh, that was my least favourite of his oh, books. Oh, interesting! <laughs> uh, French Exit was my oh, favourite Patrick okay, Lewis book, which was incredible. Like, all of this stuff is like, radically different in terms yes. of uh, the topics he's writing about, yes. but like in terms of the kind of characters, those kind of odd, unusual characters, but present in a way that you believe them despite them being very unrealistic is, mm-hmm. is just great. Do you find anything? I couldn't find any reference to the old younger brother. I don't think I could find the um, chapter there probably. Throughout this book is they're making their odyssey. You keep thinking that there's a, a storyline that's being investigated that again I think the film bypasses altogether mm-hmm. of 
the, the brothers are representative of an era that's about to end. Yeah. As yeah, they, yeah. as the big cities emerge and commerce becomes, and capitalism becomes the means of expression. Uh, you know, and, and their their way of life is slowly and quickly, quickly dying now. And and anything that that lifestyle uh, represents, with the the cowboy and the the individualism and all of us, and I think that's what they they sense when they walk in to the city. Yeah, but that's the thing. They're dying breed. they're oblivious to the fact that they're a dying breed until they start being confronted with this kind of rapidly approaching future. Yeah. They don't have the thing about like the toilets in the book, do they? Like suddenly seeing plumbing. If it is, it's not as prominent uh, as it was in the film. Yeah. I don't recall that. No, I mean, me neither. Part of it. I recall many other things in the book more than, than that. But so. also, you can see like Eli is the one who's realizing he has to change because society is changing, and and it's not just this killer be killed world anymore. The Wild West. It's now like you know again the diet like the, no one knows what dieting means like him that that scene is so funny though and it's great like being in the saloon trying to explain I don't want a full plate I just want part, I want the smaller <laughs> portions she's like and they just can't understand it's yeah. like why wouldn't you want to eat it's like essentially you're trying to starve yourself he's like no I just don't want to eat that much um, and I like how they go on that. A meal here in San Francisco now is going to cost you thirty dollars, oh, yeah. as opposed to just scraping something together. Yeah, like Some potatoes and a toe, steak yeah, or potato. something. <laughs> something like that. Or and like, oh, when he asked for a vegetable, <gasps> that was great. I thought yeah. that was hilarious, though. But just like trying to, she's like, we have some carrots, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, she's so confused. Um, and it's yeah, not until he goes to like the city that he sees like, oh, this is what the world is becoming. And, and obviously, Charlie never gets it as well. Like he's so his mindset is all about uh, that Wild West. He can never really kind of move forward into what society is becoming. Right. Because you know, there are only a few decades away from the turn of the century where that the West will be gone essentially. Right. That and the metropolis will have taken taken over. And I think there's a line in the book where is it from the book where they talk about how like in days and weeks towns and cities will suddenly change from having been nothing to shacks and then buildings and how it constantly it's just growing and growing so rapidly. Yeah, they talk about passing through towns towns that used yes. to be like a tavern and now uh, twice that and then yeah. the next time they're there it's got a hotel, a tavern, yeah. Yeah. homes, farms. And yeah, and the the idea of what constitutes adventure is changing rapidly as well. It's not about making a trek across the country in an uncivilized world, you know. And I, that's what makes the final scene so powerful when they go back home. Because yeah. Suddenly, there's this calm, and he says, "I don't know if this will last." I think yeah. he says that in the book. But for the moment, my brother and I have locked that wildness away and we can have a moment of reflection yeah and where what we need the steps we need to take to sort of integrate ourselves back into society and also the grand line of him saying to his mother that you know money comes and goes and that's the way it is and i'm not worried about that aspect of things yeah right 
as very clearly in the book, they're like rich and poor constantly, and as are the characters. Yeah, money never seems to be stable. A hold on money never seems to be stable. Which is like with gold. Gold, you know, slips through your fingers. Like, you know, the shifting sands of trying to, you know, yeah. actually find goals. <laughs> and and you ha- you, the book has the farcical moments with the money where they've established all these different different holdouts of <laughs> reserves of money they've got and then you've got this sad plight of them backtracking and every one of them something is terrible has happened to it someone has taken it or a friend has robbed their home oh, and, yes. left, and left them a note explaining how he probably won't feel guilty about it <laughs> but he's kind of sorry ah yeah it's great and which is the same thing they did though because they were constantly robbing people and taking their money I mean so it's just the cycle of it and and again it's you know Eli realising oh we have to break the cycle otherwise we're never exactly yeah yeah it highlights the fact that whether they're they're aware of it or not this life is will end they'll either get killed or the world will pass them by and have no use for them anymore um, and there's the device in the book too that's uh, a, a part of the genre where it's the one last job yeah. it's always yeah, the yeah, one yeah, last job that's going to really destroy you yeah. and ruin all your chances for actually being able to pull yourself out of yeah, yeah. that lifestyle and they're, they're making all these grand plans for after this last job <laughs> and, and that makes you even more more certain that but, was, but I don't think like I think the issue was that like that Charlie never had grand plans. He just wanted to drink and sleep with women. Like he never, there was nothing beyond that. He just he wanted enough money to be able to do that, and that was it. And oh, but Charlie's grand plan was to become the man. Oh yes, yes. the commodore. And who could the send bear. the men yeah. out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eventually, and be um, like Mayfield almost as well. And that's obviously his only option. Yeah. Being as wed as he is to that idea of yeah. Well, it's the two ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Charlie can only see the violence because of his life, whereas Eli is constantly looking for something, anything, that isn't that. (laughs) He's so sweet to give money away to people, too. Which he does constantly. I don't know if it's to solve his own guilt about what they're doing and their endeavours. He really does have... Uh, a wellspring of yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's clearly a man of simple means and like and the toothbrush is the epitome of that <laughs> like this this is like an artifact to him that is has changed his this kind of outlook on life and makes him feel different as a person yeah. and it's these small things that mean more to him he doesn't need grand things so money is nothing really um, which is why he feel, I think he feels like if he can give someone money and they can find something like a toothbrush is to him then yes. that's worth more to him than having the money yes um, um, this is not necessarily related but do you think Walking Phoenix was filming this at the same time as Joker <laughs> if that's his Joker bod that we saw there yeah I guess so maybe maybe I don't think you need to be necessarily a ripped man to be a, play, play a, a western hero yeah no, quick, no, no, quick draw and, and then change over to be the Joker yeah <laughs> they're yeah. mentally drained he has a type doesn't he Walking Phoenix he likes crazy characters. Yeah. His characters who are obsessed with violence. Yeah. But I yeah. did think I did think whereas usually his his moodiness can be used quite effectively, and yeah. here he's almost too lighthearted. Uh, like I've never seen him actually be this lighthearted. I guess on even though he's playing. 
playing a violent character. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I, I guess the angle, I guess they're trying to portray him as so so desensitized to this violence that it doesn't face him. He can he still laughs and has these moments of mania despite that, or because of it. Well, except he, I think the one moment is when he's in the restaurant in San Francisco and slaps his brother, but that's only because he becomes so upset by the prospect of his brother leaving him yeah. and having this other life that he just doesn't know how to emotionally deal with that. I think that's the one point you see him kind of breaking that laissez-faire attitude about everything. Mm. But in, in the book, it really helped that both Morris and Warm until the very end were very mysterious characters. Yes, you don't yeah. really, you just read the diary entries from Morris right. about meeting Warm, who is also so different about the fact that he wa- he's watching everyone and he, he knows everyone and also is taking place in a different thing because they're in the city. They're not like on the road right, right, as right, well, right. not on the Oregon Trail or whatever. But um, I just couldn't correlate the warm from the film and the warm that I read about in the book. They're very different characters. And do they actually in the book, because I don't, I didn't remember in, while I was watching the film, talk about this utopian ideal no. of going to this... Creating a new society. Creating a new society, or there There's was one already in, oh, in place somewhere, and they were going to go there afterwards? I, I don't recall that from and the book. And how you have to, they have to like change their mindset and be in this new society. Wasn't even, was the, so way, the way his character in the novel wasn't someone who would be going towards a utopian ideal. It's about making money, really, yeah. and like creating this company that they would, yeah. I, I, yeah, I was very, I was, it was sort of a bizarre storyline. And go, going to Dallas, that's what they talk about in the film, right? <laughs> yeah. That's where this colony exists, where they're all going very, to... like very culture-centric. Hippy-dippy kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going on. Well... It was super. Yeah, I didn't really get. I forgot about that. The warm in the in the, in the book when he's that, when he's confessing himself is a really horrible. Oh yeah, no, he talks person. about well, and he talks about how he ends up in the military and how he like he had, like almost killed his body and he was just like disgusting and then that yeah. Is there anything? In the Yeah, and do you Bit remember? Oh, I, I wasn't. The only reason makes me think there was a reference to it was I wasn't. I, I wasn't surprised when they mentioned in the book, like. It didn't seem out of left field to me. When the, in the film, you mean? In the film, sorry, oh, yeah. yes, in the film. Um, which made me think there was some some passing reference to that being like, you know, having a wider plan than just this company. But maybe maybe I'm, I'm filling in blanks in the, because of the movie. Um, but in the in the book, I was very haunted by the weeping man. Oh, yeah, Why is he weeping? Is he, is he uh, tied to the boy that they find in the book, too? Yeah. Is all alone? It was, I'm thinking that they were linking those two. Yeah. But it is, the, it was that, whatever it's called, you said there's an Italian yes, word for yeah, like yeah. the strange characters they meet along the journey, which well, makes the story. Which that weeping man contributes to, and all the women, which could have been, it just could have been a more cool, quirky, sort of dreamlike story if that's yeah. how it. That poor went. boy who occasionally appears he was, again. Yeah, he sort of pops yeah. in and out. Oh, I liked him. <laughs> Always trying to show him away. Following us. Yeah, you don't belong here. He's like can't. sad horse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yet again, another another stranger. Eli tries to help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was as know. best he can. And the other times when he really wants a situation to go well, but 
the, the usually the other individual creates a situation where he has to yeah. uh, have a, some act of violence intervene. against them and intervene, yeah. and it all goes to hell, and it winds up with a dead body. What do you think of um, Warm and Morris's relationship in the film? Well, again, I, I just wasn't, I really was not buying it. And again, because in the book too, he doesn't he also invite the man in the tin shack bar oh, yes. to also come along with him. So I kept thinking this is just a, a ploy of his. And then oh, the woman help, with so. the scarf as well. I loved that scene where the guy in the restaurant who was supposed to be the one who went with Warm, but he got, got left, and instead he took Morris. Where he's. Um, Talking, he's sort of like gambling money to this sort of mysterious like woman who's like playing a sort of a game where she like hides a scarf and yeah, I thought that was like really yeah. trippy and sort of. And he never correctly guesses which hand she has a scarf in, and he just is losing more and more money, and it, which is kind of like what the West was like. Yeah. And he says the only reason he would have wanted to go is not for money, but because he would want an, an adventure. adventure. Yes, it's the idea of the yeah. adventure. But. Yeah, I keep forgetting about all these different little bits that happen. Yeah. It's like and there, there is, there's no reason you can't do it. Like you could have theoretically had all of those scenes in the movie, but, but it's like you say, like clearly it's it is the choice to do the Hollywood version and have the big names and to sell it on that. But like you say it's reviewed incredibly well. Yeah. And I think, again, as I said before, I think the director had a vision, he read the story, and probably saw these two parallel paths of characters, sort of, you know, these more modern men, which were Warm and Morris, and then you see the sort of Old West with uh, the sisters, and then kind of how they're meeting in the middle, and kind of taking over the mantle of them, and not becoming modern men, but sort of realizing this new path. Yes. Mm. And yes, so that's what he was picking out of it versus this sort of the odd characters that exist in society at that time. But I just found it very distracting when we started following Morris and Warm too. I could go, this film belongs to whom now? Yeah. It belongs to all four of these people. And it really should only belong to the two brothers. Yeah, because it's called the sister's brothers. <laughs> I mean. yeah. it, it was really odd. And it, it, it's strange to me because Rust and Bone the year that it came out was my favorite film. What is it? I've never seen it. It's just, it was, it, it's so full of these heightened uh, emotions yeah. and heightened relationships between people that they, they sort of become uh, hyper real. Yeah. And so overwhelming in the emotional torment and all of these things. Which, again, so I know that he can do that. Do you think, well, this would have been more big budget and he would have been more restrained well, versus course. by, like, the producers, you know, so these Hollywood actors, and so he wouldn't be able to go to that level. I mean, would be the only thing. Versus, you know, Rest in Bone, a sort of indie French film, is that he kind of get away with probably more. I'd have to go back. Oh, he may not be the director, but there was another film called Read My Lips that might have been one of his okay. first films, if it is shot. Can we look that up? Again, that was, had a central relationship in it that was so hypnotic and twisted and 
someone's done their research. I know. He did. Wait. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. So yeah. I know he's capable of these these kind of hypnotic type of films. Heartbreaking. The eighteen years ago. Oh, oh my god! Was that eighteen years ago? <laughs> yeah. Tom. Two thousand and one. Yes, I saw that in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel better as an adult. Two thousand and one in my head does not feel, feel like eighteen that. years ago. If that, uh, if that takes oh, the no, edge no, off no. somewhat. That's really crazy. That's very. Crazy. I remember the bad outfits I was wearing in two thousand one. <laughs> <laughs> So, I know he is capable of creating these kinds of relationships on screen mm-hmm. that really use uh, the visual vocabulary of cinema yeah. to... Do, do you think it's as simple as this being his first English language feature? Do you think something like that impacts on something drastically Well, it, it may, and I think as you were saying too, Nora, that you hire these four mm-hmm. big actors yeah. Uh, that's going to bring in certain kind of compromises, and if you're getting money from a bigger, uh, bigger studio, yeah. Yeah. obviously, there, obviously we don't know. But I think that is a f- that those are fair guesses to make. Um, I, and like, and like, based on what I know of his previous films, I could see him being drawn to this story mm. and, and wanting to kind of tell it as it is, and that playing to his kind of strengths as a filmmaker and his kind of characterization and what you can get from performers. Um, but then you bring in these big name actors, and does he just let that override things and let their performances kind of steer things? Not necessarily bad, but like I think performances are good, but I think your performances aren't the necessarily the characters from the. From but the I don't think the film would have been made if John C. Riley didn't pick up the rights to it. Yeah. And say I'll, I'll star in it. Yeah. yeah. So already that. We, which we've statement. learned, I think all of us from having done this, mm-hmm. that pretty, these projects have to have a name attached or most of the time they don't get made because yeah. that's how is, money flows essentially. This is um, probably the most filmable of Patrick DeWitt's movies. Yes. I don't think major, minor, dumb or whatever, it, it would be very difficult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. How, go on. how could such a good film be made out of Wildlife, oh, when yes. it really didn't do a lot different than the book did, but it had that uncommon sensitivity in from director to actor, mm-hmm. yeah. and that mm-hmm. collaboration. And that was our boy Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. What, what is he doing with in all our films? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake. And we might we might be seeing Walking Phoenix There's next again. Month. I know uh, so another true. one. He's just showing up everywhere. But there are two. I mean, there. I kept thinking, what if Paul Dano had directed The Sisters Brothers with the same cast, maybe? Because we all know Carrie Mulligan, we all know Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, they're all big. And for some reason I was able to not see them when I was watching the film. Whereas here I was really distracted by the four actors. Yeah. I couldn't really immerse myself yeah. in them. Because I Again, because I'm thinking some of the sensitive detail was missing that would have allowed me to relax and, and do that. I mean, remember the intimacy in Wildlife? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the well, intimacy of all three of those actors. But it also, I think because it was, it was Paul Dano and who's the woman, the actress who wrote it. So, um, from, from Buster Scruggs. From Buster Scruggs. They're, I think they're married? Yes. And they're both young and kind of probably view cinema in a more 
Oh, uh, Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan. Kazan. Zoe Kazan. And they probably view cinema in more modern terms. And yeah, versus this is obviously a more. Do you think it's just a genre thing? Yeah. Wildlife being slice of life, I think you, you, you're allowed to have actors be actors, whereas you present a, a genre-heavy western with a hint of comedy and fast thrown in, and all of a sudden the performances become something else, maybe. And this was a bigger budget as well, clearly. And Maybe. there's more publicity, I think, around this film than there was about, around than around Wildwood. Uh, I'd say equal squeakles. Okay. Did you did you see Buster Scruggs? I haven't seen Buster Scruggs. Okay. Because again, yeah. even the last part of that film with Zoe Kazan, that yeah. storyline communicated to me so much more than this film did in that one sequence about the arbitrariness of that old Western. Lifestyle. I'm trying to think of other good Western films that are not the Coen Brothers. Um, I mean, like, ooh, the Sergio Leone Western movies are very good. John Ford, yes. someone who virtually created that but like modern, vision of Western. Yeah. You had, um, um, again, it's not so recent anymore, probably 25 years since <laughs> <laughs> Clint Eastwood's oh, yes. on yeah, uh, Unforgiven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, brought the melancholy back to the Western. If you could have made one change to the film that you think could have redeemed it or saved it, would it closer to the book? What would that change have been? Less dialogue. And more just like this unbearing silence of sort of them. Yes, and working close enough with your actors to be able to suggest what they're not saying, trusting them to do that. Yeah. That's the only yeah. tweak that I would make, and I think I think perhaps I'd be enough. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Would you? I think that would be a definitely like if you want the most basic change and what to cut out, because like all the other changes, I feel like I would want to make would completely compromise his vision of what the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and keep warm and more a sideline until the end. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's the big, big one. one. Yeah. If you if you can do an hour and twenty minutes of the movie without ever seeing them, or that, just hearing about them, yeah, yeah, and being built up to believe that John Morris is still tracking him, and that's the thing, and then you get a reveal of his diary being left, or them just seeing them together working together, that is compelling because immediately in the film you know what's happening. So there's like there's the, 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 you're following these two gunmen on like a. A, a weird errand quest at this point, but if you're following them for a big old chunk of time, chasing this man down, waiting to meet their contacts, that becomes a compelling Western story, and then you can reveal yep. it. Rather than having two interweaving stories that kind of undermine each other by revealing too much of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, definitely. What was your favourite scene in the movie that wasn't in the book? I've tried to. What were the scenes that were completely new? The ending? Well, no, the no, no, no. Commodore's the, ending. Okay, the I will Commodore's s- ending, yes. That's good. Did you refer that to the ending of the book, though? Yeah. I, I liked that it was different, and that was something I liked most about the ending, but I did prefer Eli having chosen to kill someone for the first time ever and going after the Commodore. I think it's an interesting character. Yeah. Only, only because in light of another film that I think did that... That similar thing, much better. You know, finally getting 
wanting to get your revenge and then finding that it's been taken, taken from, from you yeah. by natural life. life <laughs> uh, did you ever see Jack Nicholson's film, The Crossing, or Sean Penn's film, The Crossing Guard? No, no. I didn't. Okay, with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You know, who is a cop who pursues... Are you ever going to see it, do you think? No, 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 no. I've never heard so, of it. Spoilers for this Sean Penn movie. movie. You've got a man who's haunted by... Uh, a murder, and through the whole film, which is a little over two hours, I think he's hunting this person again who's never been caught. And at the very last, it's taken out of his hands by the the person getting hit by a car. Yeah. Okay. So you, he, this man has completely devoted his life and sacrificed everything else <laughs> to get this person at the very last. It's just a comedy of life. Within so seconds. Yeah arbitrary thing happens yeah. and he, he loses what like, would have given his life purpose purpose yeah. and satisfaction yeah so again when it happens here it's just I, I didn't feel anything that had been building up to that yeah well it's the whole, it out of well, the whole joke like when you make plans God laughs yeah. and, you know it, will. it reminded me of a video game oh Interesting. Okay. Interestingly, okay. there, there, is, there is a video game, which is very off subject, but I'll quickly tell you, um, where uh, you, you, you're playing the entire game building up to this moment where you, could, you confront uh, a soldier um, and you have this uh, pitched kind of tense standoff. He's like this incredible sniper, he's camouflaged, you're camouflaged, and you're looking for a moment where one of you slips up. However, um, if you save the game, stop playing, uh, and let the internal clock of the console get ahead a week and then log back on. Um, this villain has died of old age in the video game. And that's yeah, yeah. what it okay. reminds me of. The scene in the movie, which I don't believe was in the book, uh, it's two tiny scenes. And it's the scene where um, they're on their way out on their grand adventure fairly early on. Yeah. And uh, Charlie's crying. And Eli goes to come Oh, him. yes, and he's like, gotcha. Gotcha, pretending. Yeah. And then you cut to the end, and they're on their backtrack, and Charlie's lost his arm, and he's actually crying, <laughs> and Eli can't bring himself to comfort him. Um, I thought those two scenes are, are, are really nice, and kind of bookend the kind of the journey and change of the characters. Mm. Like, that's, their, that's been their arc. Because um, the rest of the new scenes are the ones with the woman Morris, where they're, they're on the Oregon Trail together. Yeah, lots gets added for them. Um, which I found all bizarre and sort of unnecessary. Like, uh, just him, like, taking notes and watching him, and then how they meet in the campfire and interact. I just, like, I just, why? I'd like, yeah, none yeah. of that was interesting. I was sort of my eyes glazing. <laughs> um, an opposite question. Yeah. Uh, favorite scene that was in the book that didn't make it to the to the screen. I know there's lots that didn't, yeah. but is there something that stands out? Um, I mean, you couldn't have added one thing in yeah. without context and made it work. But was it something you were hoping to see on the screen that didn't didn't arrive? Well, again, but they didn't create the space for it in the film. Mm -hmm. But I think probably the, the really horrific scene of Tubbs scooping the eyeball out of it. And and how horrifying that was for Eli. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Similarly mine is a horse based scene. Okay. Uh, and it's the, the scene it's the scene where uh, Eli decides 
despite having found a quote-unquote better horse, oh, yes. he's going to sell that horse and keep Tal. Providence, yes. that horse, oh, yeah. Yeah. the name of that horse. Um, yeah, and the moment where he goes, how much would you give me for this horse? Is but those are really important moments because yes, it's also showing again society changing and you know kindness over survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. which is what modern society is becoming. You're becoming civilized. You're making decisions not based on you know just for yourself survival. It's for you know just to be like a good human being. Um, I liked how callous. Charlie's mentality was about things because when his brother's getting it, or someone's, I don't know if it was Eli, especially, but someone is uh, suggesting providence. This horse came into your life, this strong, beautiful stallion, for this reason. Uh, And then Charlie's response is no, it was because some Indian died and the horse just took off. That's the reason. And then when he's telling the group of men he's just dismembered, like, who wouldn't give him the axe to go break the window for his brother, says, you're here. This has happened to you because a spider bit my brother on his foot. Yeah. There's no grand scheme to anything. <laughs> no grand scheme to anything. It's just... But it's also interesting in the book and in the film, that I think also how we as humans treat animals has, has changed so much as like companions and not just necessities for eating or tools, which I think reflects on the two of them in their relationship and how things are changing, is that he used Tub as a companion versus his brother. He doesn't really care about his horse, it's just, can it get me there quickly? It's like a tool, it's like a tool, tool yeah. Yeah. And I like how gradual Eli's softening to towards Tub is as the novel goes on, because he recognizes equality in Tub. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the horse from the beginning is not in good shape, yeah. but continues to plot on. Yeah. And it's, it's that wonderful thing of, of Eli's annoyed with himself for caring. For caring. He's frustrated. He can't, he can't just get rid of this right. damn horse. Cast yeah. the horse out. Yeah, yeah. The fact that it there's, is like... There's, some, there's a, some kind of civility that's pulling him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that the horse is doing its best is... Yeah. winning him over and like, appreciate yeah so when he d- is presented with this perfect specimen yeah he can see that no I don't really want that I will keep with the horse who's been loyal yeah to me yeah. I suppose I did like uh, this I was forming an opinion from that first scene but okay I so, said so the book opens with that scene already having happened yeah. but I understand we're watching a film now so we have to have the action and I thought that that was uh, filmed quite interestingly. Yeah, yeah, very interestingly presented. Like from from the black and the silence. Yeah, we only know what's going on because we see the gunshots trying gun to follow shot. where yes. people are. And you get a little bit of comedy. You get the big blaze. You get them walking kind of away from the fire, like in a weird homage to like action movies. You get the yeah. big font on the screen, the sisters brothers, and it feels like okay, this so is like thought, a western. Okay. Here we are. We've arrived. Yeah. So, and I think he's going to foreground a lot of the action that perhaps in the book. Is, is more thoughtful mm-hmm. because that's what you can do with prose but we're in the realm of the film now so I think maybe he's going to accent those parts of the book but then, if, then it started <laughs> kind of going away from there and drifting more and more yeah. and then but, uh, there's a few scenes after that where it still feels like you have the scene where Eli sat on his horse just looking up at the Commodore and his brother speaking at the window oh, yes. and that's a lovely scene because you get that in the book where Eli is just this Kind of yeah, it's almost like he's, he's like a tool to Charlie. Uh, like doesn't 
doesn't, Charlie doesn't need, Eli doesn't need to know what's happening. He'll be told when to kill someone, what to do, and that's all fine. He doesn't need to be in the room. Uh, and that's a lovely scene, just him looking up. And that's, and again, it had me, had me for the first half an hour. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is... I think in the book, I would have loved to see a scene, mm-hmm. but it could not have fit anywhere when uh, Charlie is in the cabin. E- sorry, Eli's in the cabin. Yeah. When they have to stay in the cabin, and there's this like weird witch woman <laughs> there, just kind of randomly, mm-hmm. and they, they like force themselves to fall asleep, even though they're kind of scared they yeah. might die. There's, there's a hundred <laughs> brilliant I mean, moments in that scene and the scene that we see. It's a huge. Scene. It's a huge scene, and it also shows again how the brothers are trapped in a certain kind of time period because they actually still. Obviously, are in a world where superstition yeah. is quite dominant. Yeah. Dominant. Yeah. yeah. So to the to the point where, despite Eli <coughs> having gone out of the cursed door, when is when Charlie comes back, he still goes out of the window because heaven forbid Charlie <laughs> knows <laughs> that he's cursed. Because, yeah. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> and he still mentions it at several times in the book. I'm, this might actually have something to do with yeah, what's happening yeah. now. Oh yes. Because so he I talks broke about that. that why the spider crawled into his mouth is because or you know bit him was because he went through the door and got cursed by the woman yeah. um, and just hit the killing the yeah the bear and mm. well you see the bear being killed but you don't know why the bear is there or killed yes. it is just yeah. and it, you don't have a doctor arrive Eli oh, yes, just has a fever dream and is right. fine but again too that's what doesn't make any sense in the film when those people finally come for him because mm-hmm. the Morris we see isn't the Morris who is in the book and it wasn't because they, they killed Morris because Morris thought that they had stolen the pelt again all of that was very important about what happens from there on. So when he's being surrounded at the end with his brother on the operating table yeah. I'm, but the Morris you presented to me here in this film, I don't, I don't understand would have, would have these types of people working on her behalf. Oh, uh, oh Mayfield. 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 Sorry, Mayfield. sorry, not Morris. Mayfield. 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 That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. In in the book, it made perfect sense. Yeah. Because of what we know, the dynamic was between the people because they stole, pretty much, the killing of the bear from that group of. I love how they described how they were dressed. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. The, 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 what are they called? The trappers? Trappers. trappers yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're covered with all the bits of fur and how they kind of just take their revenge because they make fun of how they look and they don't like yeah. it. Like, don't make fun of us. That hurt their feelings. Interestingly, one of the trappers was also in American Scots. Oh, it's uh, cro- a crossover. <laughs> it's kind of weird how all these films are kind of related to yeah. each other. Well, we've just seen enough now. There but is I think we can, yeah, yeah, you can tie everything yeah, together from what, yeah. we've, yeah. what we've seen before. And there's what, no providence in any of this. Uh, it's yeah. all just random. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's why the more films we watch with the books is that, because we will be able to say, well, that works so well, a similar thing in this film. Yeah. Because there is definitely a formula of how things get adapted for the most part. And how... 22. Um... That you see repeated in the films of what choices people make to like whether they're editing out or they follow closely or just like a simplified version or they completely change it or like with *Prayer Before Dawn*, they just take a section saying, yeah. "I don't have time to tell this whole story." Right, they isolate no, that. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm focusing. I'm always surprised that that isn't more the case. Yeah. yeah. 
the fact that they they seemingly always try to do everything. Yeah, yeah, A B C D E F G, and just piecemeal it rather than yeah. doing the full fleshed out story. Well, we've seen maybe just recently too. We've seen very strong styles. Yeah, the aesthetic. And, and yeah. here, I didn't really see any particular style taking over the film. Mm. And that's why a lot of it, for me, was quite yeah. flat. Well, after that opening, I was surprised we didn't have more of that. Because the opening did feel, like the first 10 minutes felt like it were, had a style and a bit of right. and, and that, pace okay, to it. I think I know what he's going to do with this. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, then he did nothing more with it, really. Yeah. We got a few similar things, but right. nothing, nothing else is interesting. Yeah, nothing that was developing. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I kept thinking, I'm going back to the style of Beale Street Guitar. Oh, this beautiful, so, yeah. poetic, yeah, and romantic. With the sort of um, very sort of uh, glowy lens to everything. <laughs> so people, you know, we, we've come from films recently where people are making very, very strong Like each director is choices. really trying to... Yeah, Beale Street, uh, American Scots, everything had like a... There was this definitely a style or an approach they were going for. Which this one, it felt like a lot of other people's things that they do. It didn't really like. I'm not going to say this was really a Jacques film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it really yeah. is. If you see some of his, I would I would recommend Rust and Bone and yeah, My yeah. Lips. This would not go on his oeuvre of sort of. Like, but again, as you said too, and I've read I've read nothing but positive yeah. reviews of this film, and I'm I'm wondering if these people have read the book. Probably not. <laughs> So I wonder if you they Oh I did find a Goodreads review where it was like read the book, don't bother with the So I think if you have read the book you're probably definitely going to because he has such I think Patrick DeWitt as writer has such a quirky sort of good voice Which that he gives his the characters. only reason I read the other books was because I wanted more I love of that. this made you read the other books, which is great though. Yeah. Um, that it does that. Yeah. I, I, I watched Interestingly, I watched a lot of videos of Patrick DeWitt doing live readings of his books, and it's infinitely funnier as well. Yeah. Like, his delivery of stuff is phenomenal, hearing him read his own stuff out loud. Yeah. Um, do you think... I, I, I'm not sure I consider, like, Man Booker Prize, sort of, but it's a fun book, but I didn't... I think the prose is really great. Yeah. Really great. Well, like, like Tom said really early on, the, the fact that it's so lean and says so much with mm. so little, yeah. so much story, like really beautifully like told story in very few pages, really. And all of his books are like that. You get, you feel like you get so much. Nothing needs to be, nothing is overworked. No. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is wasted, like you said, Sean. It's just, and you... In a, in a fairly short book, he does create this epic huge, tapestry. This huge world as well. Oh, of what? World. Like, you, you, you meet like a Game of Thrones level oh, number yes. of characters <laughs> in this book for like a third of the length. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on, George R. R. Martin. A little less please. <laughs> and none of them feels like a throwaway character. No, yeah. no, no. But I remember the dentist. I remember the guy who and works the little in, boy, in the, yeah, and the tailor. Yeah. And the, the girl who brings things oh, out. Oh, the dog. With the girl who yeah. poisons the dog as well. Yeah. And, and these aren't archetypes, yeah. necessarily. They're like, they're weird subcategories of <laughs> archetypes. That he's kind of like molded and made work. But right. yeah. yeah. Like, the, the, the Western dentist isn't an archetype I'm familiar with, but he's a character I loved from the yeah. Sister Brothers. And, yes. oh. and I, don't, I don't believe in the, in the film um, the dialogue is earned. 
because I'm told something, but you haven't bothered of course. to build it up or well, suggest why this person one is... One of the best character moments is silent, um, and it's the best moment of when all four of them are together, of when Eli is brushing his teeth, and John Morris comes out brushing his teeth. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal looks and at him. Yeah, nothing is said, they exchange a look. And that, that's the, 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 the realist moment between these men, is in that moment. And you can do that. You can have loads of that. So that much more than People from very different... Walks. walks of life, looking at each other, in, engaged in <laughs> the same kind of... You you cut to the scene when Eli and... Uh, Eli turns up and finds uh, Charlie and, and Morris swimming together. You don't need them talking to each other. It just shows the fact that they're swimming together and not killing each other. Okay. And that tells you as much about the characters as their yeah. conversation did. I, I just keep imagining what it would be like to have never brushed your teeth before. Yeah. What would be going on? But it's true. Like, it didn't exist. Yeah. But when you're, they're out on the on the prairies for months at a time, and they probably don't even wash them, which they you did get that like sense of the book too. And again, everyone shark. looked too well scrubbed throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Riz Ahmed looks were. so clean. There's though. a bit, bit of sweat here and there, and their clothes yeah, yeah. look a bit a bit second day. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not smelling them. I yeah. should be feeling oh, no. like I'm smelling Though them. the mother does say that you stink, I think. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I don't believe it. No. Yeah. The way she's, the, the way they look and are presented. And he did. Riz Ahmed looked cherubic. Yes. And, I, and again, you again you have this whole thing through the novel that I don't even really think about it. We're just vessels for for the Commodore's uh, needs and desires. Yeah. And he says, yeah, most of the time we can actually say that the men that we're dispatching are probably mean-hearted, mean-spirited. Yes. And yeah, yeah. They're starting to get, as they go on their journey, they get more, as they get more information about Warm, they're saying, well, wait a minute. The Commodore just wanted his formula. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I think he's probably a good guy. He yeah. didn't want to give it to them, and that's why we're now being dispatched yeah. to yeah. kill him. He didn't actually do anything. But then, again, when we meet Warm in the novel, he's, he probably isn't as nice as they were thinking he is. Yeah. He, he spins this horrible tale about of his, his life. About I his love life that scene where he's telling it, the sort of passage of his life and sort of what he goes through in the yeah. book. I forgot what he, how, he, he said his blood and his flesh was oh, uh, now... Oh, mold or something? Or, or mold, yeah, it was something like that. So yeah. that's what I've been reduced to now and that's how I look out at life. Yeah. And that's how I treat people. Yeah. So, again, and you get the... It gets a little morally dubious again too. Maybe he yeah. isn't a, he an angelic person and terrific person, like person should be saving. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. So, but, but you, you you do you do have uh, I think it's Eli who says it. Uh, Realise that even if these are bad men, why do they keep stealing from the Commodore? Maybe maybe he's yeah. sending us after men who haven't yeah, read exactly. anything. Yeah. But they're they're piecing things together. Yeah. Um, this guy wouldn't be able to just. You know, get rid of someone easily who uh, yeah, is yeah. stealing something from. Yeah, it, yeah, you get that same kind of sense. So, well, overall, good book. We would recommend anyone listening to read it. Film, yeah, it's yeah. fine. You know, you watch. If you're it. only going to read one Patrick Dewitt book, though, French Exit is my recommendation. Oh, has there been any other of his books adapted? Uh, I think this is the first. Okay, so hopefully first. that means yeah. Right. Good job, everyone.